Well, we started a series uh, last week called Victory Over Darkness. And uh, I mentioned this last week, as we were in the, the Wisdom of God series, I really, there's some things that the Bible talks about Jesus being the wisdom of God and the wisdom of uh, God, that, the wisdom that was not clear to the people and the rulers of this world. Uh, it was in a mystery, but it was the Lord Jesus and what He was actually doing with His death, burial, and resurrection. And, you know, we touched on it some, but I really thought, I, I, originally I was like, oh, I'll touch on that. But then as I, as I got into it more, I was like, well, we need to, we need to cover this in depth. Um, and so that's what we're starting uh, to do now. Let's look at Colossians 1 verse 9. So it, it segues right with what we are talking about in the wisdom of God <clears throat> and some of the things we did touch on. Colossians 1 verse 9. It says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So right there, it's saying that we pray for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual understanding. That we'll know His wisdom, know His uh, understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 13 says, He has... Let's go back to verse 12. Giving, <clears throat> excuse me, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So the Father, through Jesus has delivered us from something into something, from the power of darkness, and He conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. It says, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. You know, in communion we were talking about His blood. How, how did this happen? How were we conveyed into the kingdom of His love? How were we... Uh, Delivered out of the power of darkness, it was through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's what has happened. That, that is actually the payment's been made for all the world, but it's only the ones that accept and believe on the Lord Jesus that it becomes, this actually uh, becomes a reality. Let's look at uh, verse 13 in the Young's Literal Translation. It said, who did, who did rescue us out of the authority of darkness and did translate us into 
the reign of the Son of His love. So He did rescue us out of the authority of darkness. That's really what that means, the authority, power, the, the grip of darkness. It says, we have been delivered. He has delivered. Well, that's something that's already happened for the Christian. In the Amplified, verse 13 says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness. So that means the, the world, people, we're going we're gonna to review a, a few of the scriptures that we went over last time and then get into some more. But people in the world, without Jesus, are under the control and dominion of darkness. We saw that it was under the authority of darkness. Without the blood of Jesus, mankind is under the authority and the control and the dominion of darkness. But by the blood of Jesus, by believing in His death, burial, and resurrection, what He did on that cross, what He did by, by raising from the dead, believing the Lord Jesus, that He's the Son of God, and that... He has risen from the dead. The Bible says if you confess that, you will be saved. Well, something more than, it's not just parroting some church creed or doctrine when that happens. By believing on Him, He has paid for the whole world to be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. When we act on that, believe it, we actually become one of the ones that get out of the power of darkness and become translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We switched addresses in the spiritual realm and we were dead the bible says dead in our trespasses and in sins spiritually dead that means separated from god and by believing on jesus we became alive and now we're no longer under the authority of darkness you know some people say well, i'm not under the authority of darkness and they haven't believed jesus the bible says they are the bible clearly shows that the world is under the authority of Satan and of darkness apart from Jesus. But the Christian no longer is. Uh, let's look at this in the CEV briefly before we go on. Verse 13 says, God re rescued us from the power of Satan and brought us into the kingdom of His dear Son. When we talk about wisdom, that's why I said this segues from the wisdom of God. True wisdom is knowing the true nature of things. It's not head knowledge. Somebody said, knowledge comes from study, but wisdom comes from relationship. True wisdom. When we know what the true nature, who we are to God, who He is to us, and how we relate, to the real world, it changes our perspective. Our perspective, because we start to see clearly that it, to know the true nature of things, that as a Christian, there is spiritual darkness and that we were under that, but believing on Jesus, we're not under that any longer, but we're in the kingdom of God. Well, that is true wisdom. That's true understanding. That's the true nature of things. And then understanding that if it, those that have not believed on the Lord Jesus are actually under the power of darkness, well, it allows you to see clear. It, 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 you realize, well, so you say, why is that person acting like that? Well, they're under the authority of darkness. That doesn't mean they're demon-possessed necessarily. It could be. 
Doesn't mean that. But they are under the sway, the power of the enemy. In other words, he lords it over people. People don't get this. And in fact, you, you, know, you don't necessarily broadcast it just to everybody that you don't throw your pearls before swine. They're not going to get it. And if you just say that without some other groundwork, they're probably going to reject it. But just if somebody were to hear that sentiment, a lot of people go, that's whatever. That's just somebody's belief system. According to the Bible, this is truth. And the reason people go, whatever, because they're deceived. <laughs> that's the best thing. If Satan has the world under his control and gets them to believe, ah, there's no devil. Ah, that's all a bunch of, you know, nonsense. Well, then they stay there. Unbeknownst. This is one of the greatest things we could ever know, which is why Satan fights it so hard to keep people from coming to the knowledge of our authority in Christ and our victory over darkness. Look at Hebrews 2.14. I'll just go through some, a few scriptures that we went over before. I'm not going to re-preach everything that we cover. I encourage you, if you didn't hear the first message, go back and listen to it. We're getting going on this. You catch right up and... Of course, you'll get a lot out of what's here today, but maybe uh, fill in uh, just some things in more depth if you missed it. Hebrews 2 verse 14 said, Inasmuch then as the ch children have partaken of flesh and blood, or become flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Talking about Jesus saying the children have partaken of flesh and blood. In other words, human, have physical bodies. He himself likewise, if you can go back to verse 14. He himself likewise shared in the same. That means Jesus became flesh. That through death that through Jesus dying, he might destroy him who had the power of death. So Jesus came as a man, in the form of a man, 100% man, 100% God, but came in the form of a man and gave his life in order to destroy him that had the power of death. In other words, the devil had complete control over mankind, but Jesus came in, to destroy, we're going to explain that more in a minute, it destroy him who had the power of death. In other words, Satan no longer has the power of death over the Christian. He does have power in the world, but not over the Christian. It says that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were uh, all their lifetime subject to bondage. Verse 14 in the Amplified Classic says, Since therefore these his children share in flesh and blood, in the physical nature of human beings, he himself in a similar manner partook of the same nature, means he became physical, had a physical body as well, that by going through death, he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Let's read that last part again. That through his death, he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. In other words, the devil still exists. The devil still has power. But for the Christian, he has been rendered not of no effect. 
He has no power over the Christian, but he wants the Christian to believe he does. And in fact, the way he gains power is by deception and fear. And people, if, we, if, if individuals believe that he has power, they actually give him power. It's their power, actually. They have authority. But if they yield and tremble before Satan, he can do what he wants to do, even though he has no right to do this. You understand this naturally. If somebody can convince you, I was just, you know, at Walmart yesterday, and I'm in the line to exchange something. It took a while. But we were in there to exchange something, and I was just reading up, up on, the, on the screen there. In the same place they have exchanges, they also have different services. And they uh, had services to transfer money and to do some of these things. And they had all these slides that were going through. Well, I was just waiting. You know, I'm just waiting and looking up all these. And they're talking about fraud and how if somebody told you to come there and transfer money and don't ever do it, out of a promise that they're going to do something else. And if they told you to come there and told you what to say, they'll tell you how to answer our questions. Don't give in to that. It's fraud. And they have all these warnings. Well, the person, if they yield to that deception, if they yield to that instruction, even though they have the authority to say no, and to do with it, do with their money what they want, if they yield to it, if they do what somebody else tells them to do, even though they didn't have to, they gave the other person power. Do you see that? Yeah. It happens all the time. If somebody can con, you got these emails. that Sometimes you look at them and say, how does anybody fall for that? But people will send out emails saying, you know, we want to transfer millions of dollars to you. We just you don't have, can't, we got to hide it somewhere or whatever from a different country. Can you give us your bank account so we can do that? And people do it. Not making fun of them, but, you know, that's, somehow, those are effective. Or they wouldn't, they wouldn't keep doing it. Well, does, you could just as easily delete the email and say, yeah, whatever, and go on. But if somebody takes the bait and goes on and gives them their account number, they didn't take it by force. They were willingly give it to it. They, they were, the people gave it to them. That's how the devil operates. See, we don't have, he doesn't have authority over the Christian, but if he can get you to believe that you need to do something that he's trying to get you to do, or get to kneel to him and say, oh, well, I don't know if I, I, I mean, I, I, this isn't going to happen, and you're scared, you start giving him authority where he has none. So he uses your authority, your power against you. That's how he operates. I, I, I mentioned this last time. You know, that, that illustration of the ha, having no power, making Jesus making him of no effect. One of our instructors said it's like a parking lot, an asphalt or a concrete parking lot. If you took a jackhammer or some kind of machine to break all that up, as far as being a parking lot's concerned, it's rendered ineffective. It, it's not a parking lot anymore. I mean, it's just a bunch of rubble, and you can't really use it for that. And, he, and it, what he was saying in, in this specific verse, he said, God, through Jesus, jackhammered the Satan's power, so he doesn't have, he's still there, the parking lot's still there, but it's rendered useless. And all you need to do is just push it off. You know, push this, push, no, you're not, I'm not going to deal with you. Push him off, push him off. It's not, it's not what it was. And so we need to understand 
that Satan has no power. Let's look at 1 John 5, 19. We looked at these again, just, just recapping a little so we can go forward. 1 John 5, 19 says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Notice that. He makes a differentiation, though, between the world, and, and we went into this in some depth last time, so you can go back and listen to that uh, for more detail. But he said, We are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But that doesn't include the Christian. And we'll see, we're going to read a few more scriptures. The world lies under the, the sway of the wicked one, but the Christian is not of the world. But Satan, the people that aren't, that, that aren't Christians are in the world and are under this sway. That's what we're talking about. Satan does have power and authority and influence in the world. Well, you, you don't need a PhD to see that. PhD in the wrong area could hinder you from seeing that. Just look around. There is an enemy. Sometimes you think, how, oh, boy. I mean, there are some things that are orchestrated, but then there's things that it's like, wow, these people look like they're working together. Well, they got the same influence. Satan is behind all the evil and destruction in the world. And if anybody would scoff at that, that's just proof he's got influence. Don't, don't believe in the devil. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. We read the whole context of this verse. Don't have time to recap that today. But you can listen to the first one. You have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, he who is in the Christian is greater than he who is in the world. So Satan is in the world. Satan is influencing of the world. But for the Christian, we have a greater one on the inside of us. We have authority. John 17, verse 14 says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Talking about, he's, he's praying for his disciples, praying for those that would believe on him. Has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Well, we're in the same category. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So a couple things there. He said, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world. Well, let's go back to the previous verse. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So we as Christians are not of this world. We Philippians 3.20, let's just put that up and we'll come back here. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven. See, we're here for a bit. But when we believed on Jesus, we were translated into the kingdom of God. That's our true home. But we're here, naturally speaking. Your, your body's here. Your spirit's here with your body. When your spirit is no longer here, your body we would call dead, but the real you is very much alive. Just changed addresses. Well, you're going, if for the Christian, you go home, which is heaven. Right now, we are not home. You may call somewhere here physically home. We all do. You have a place where you reside on earth. And you may say that's my home, but that's not your true home. For the Christian, our true home is in heaven. And we will be there 
at some point. And it will be glorious. It's a real place. There's people there right now having a good time. And if, if, if you've had some, somebody go on to be with the Lord, they don't miss you. They don't. They're having too much fun. They don't want to come back. And in a little bit, they're going to look up and go, wow, you're here already because time is so much different there. You're going on thinking it's been these years, and they, you, know, you go and say, oh, wow, you're here already? It's glorious. Right now, just like there, we can name any number of places around the world that are real and that people are living life right now there. Uh, heaven is the exact same way. Right now, in heaven, people are living life. Not like this life. And they're thankful for it. And we're thankful for it. This isn't going to last forever. What we deal with on this earth is not going to be our eternity. It's a short mission. And so when we see things that are influenced by the enemy, and we see the world in a, in a state where it's, it's fallen, and you see the influence, we just need to remind ourselves, well, this isn't my final home. I'm only here for a short time. I'm going to do what I need to do, be at my station, serve the living God, and then at some point I will be home. That's in heaven. But let's look back at here in uh, John 17, 14. It says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Well, that's the category we're in. We're not of this world. We're not of it, but we are in it. Verse 15 says, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world. Jesus is saying, you're, not, you're still here. You're not, he's not praying that his disciples would leave the world. Well, same with you and I. We're here. And sometimes we wish we'd get out of this world. You know, just not deal with the nonsense. Sometimes it just sounds good. We're going to be in heaven this afternoon. Woo! You know, partying. That thought is amazing. But if it's not time, you don't need to go. You have a job here to do. Amen? So we need, to, we need to realize, I'm still of this world. Jesus didn't pray that we'd get taken out of the world. We're here. We are the light here. He said, I don't, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. See, the evil one is here. We're here, but he doesn't have any authority over us. We need to know that. We're here. He's here. He tries to influence things, and He does influence things, but we're here as Christians and representatives of Almighty God, and we're here to influence this realm while we're here. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now let's look at Colossians. Let's just read Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and then we're going to look at the verses following, but we'll just go through the verses we read earlier and then get into some more stuff today. Verse 9 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that we may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So these are the verses we read to begin with. We're going to read through them and then look at the verses right after this portion. Verse 10, That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Our heart as Christians should be to fully please Him. That should be our heart. I want to please you, Lord. I want to, whatever is pleasing to you, that's what I want to do. I want to serve you. 
that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Verse 14, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, Jesus. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Verse 18, And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. Verse 18 says, He is the head of the body. Jesus is the head. He's the supreme authority, and He's the head of the body. Who's the body? The church. That's us. We're the church. Jesus is the head. We're the body. We're the church. Church literally means called out ones. We're the called out ones. You talk about a congregation, it's talking about people called out like you're here. But the church, if you look up the word church, whenever you see church, it's this word, ecclesia. We are the church. The church is not a club. The church is not a social group. The church is not a card. The church is not inherited. You don't inherit being part of the church. The church... It's not denominations. It's not because you repeated, you know, some words. It's not because uh, you were baptized as an infant. Does nothing to get you into the church. The church is made up of those that have called on the name of the Lord Jesus and believed that He is the Savior of the world and that confess Him as Lord and Savior. Believe He's risen from the dead. Confess that He is Lord. Those are the church. Those are the qualifications for being in the church. Now we're going to get into some more and expound on, on some of the other elements of this verse later. But today, I want you to emphasize this part, that the church is that we are the called out ones. Jesus is the head, we're the church. And we have been called out. We've been called out from darkness into His light. We've been called out from the authority of Satan now into the kingdom of God's love. Those are the church. We are the church. If you believed on the Lord Jesus, confessed Him as Lord and Savior, you are in the church. Doesn't matter what building you're in. You know, being in a building doesn't make you a Christian. It's calling on the name of the Lord that makes you a Christian. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 
says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Who's been called out? The church has been called out of darkness. The church has been called into His marvelous light. Who once were not people, not a people, but now the people are, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Those are the church. We've obtained mercy. We've been called out of darkness. We've been called into the light. Ephesians 5, verse 8. It says, For you were once darkness. See, all these letters, they're written to the church. Yeah, they might have been written, you'll see over and over, written to the church at Ephesus. Church, you know, of the Corinthians, Corinth. When we read the Word, the, 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 the parts that you should spend the most area in are the letters that are written to the church because you and I are part of the church. Those are called the epistles, the letters. You start in Romans, go back to... You know, Jude, and then, you know, Revelation, it's, that's a, a different book. You can spend time there, but you should primarily spend your time in the rest of the New Testament, primarily from Romans on. And then, of course, read the Gospels. All of the words, good. And you can read Proverbs and Psalms in the Old Covenant, but the Old Covenant only has true meaning for the Christian in light of what happened in the New Covenant. If you just study the Old Testament all the time, you're going to get legalistic, you're going to get dry, you're going to be confused. But if you interpret what's in the Old Testament in light of what's in the New, now it makes sense. But you should spend the majority of your time, like I said, all the words good, but where you'd spend the majority of your time are in the letters that are written to the church, which you and I are part of. Tells you what belongs to you. Tell you. Tells you what Jesus did for you. Tells you who you are in Christ. Tell you what your rights and privileges are to the church. Amen. It says, you were once in darkness. Well, you can read that. I was once in darkness. You should personalize what the Word of God tells you and take it as God speaking to you. The Word of God is alive and vital. It, when you read it, it's not like a normal book that you just read, well, I read that, and it's done. No, you can read these verses, and the Holy Spirit will quicken them to you, and you will be uh, instructed and brought up and enlightened because they're written to you. But now you are the light in the Lord. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So it says, verse, verse 8, you were, once, you were once darkness. In other words, you were, like all the, these other verses we, we've read, you were under the authority of darkness. You were in the dark, but now you're not. Now you are light in the Lord. Now you've been translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now you are in the kingdom of light. You are. You were in darkness. You were under that authority. But now you're in part of the, you're the church. Now you are in the kingdom of light. 
Then it says, walk as children of light. And then it says, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So we, as the church, are in the light. We've been removed and translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the light. And then he says, don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't, wor- don't yield and play around with what is dark. Don't mess with it. Don't act like it. Because this is how. See, we're talking about the authority of the believer. We're talking about victory over darkness. Well, if we have victory over the darkness, and we, and we know how Satan works, he tries to con you. If you start go rubbing shoulders with darkness, you're going to be deceived. And even though you are in the church, even though you are in the light, if you fellowship with darkness then you will be, you can, you can end up uh, living and acting as if you weren't in light. You can, in other words, you could, you could walk far under your privileges as a child of God. That, that's how people are deceived. That's how people, that's how Satan gets his, his uh, foot in the door. We've been redeemed. It's like we're over here, we're, sh- we're shined up, we're, we're children of God, and we go, well, I still want to mess with this. And now we, we wonder, why does Satan dominate these areas of my life? Because I have authority, but yeah, but we used our authority to choose to go fellowship with his junk. There is so much in this world. See, we read that the world is under the sway of the devil. The world is under the authority of the devil. The world thinks like the devil. So the more we partake of what the world says, then we're subtly influenced by Satan. Whether we know it or not, we've been translated into the kingdom of light, but we voluntarily go back and put ourselves in darkness and can be clouded just like the person that is actually in darkness because now we're walling around in darkness. We need to understand this. See, the church is not, like I said, it's not a club. It's not an obligation. It's not something that we just do because we have to. Church is not a place, it's a people. The church are those that have been called out of darkness into the light of the Almighty God. And the church has been dumbed down in so many areas where people just, you know, they, they make it the lowest common denominator to where it's just, well, do you believe on Jesus? Great. Doesn't matter what else you do. It's okay because God loves you. God loves you, but if we fellowship with a bunch of that junk, it's going to, infect, it's going to affect our lives. The church has been watered down to where it's like, well, let's just get as many people as we can, which is great. To get people, but what do we what what do they know about the word? Because if we say, well, you just believe Jesus, he'll just deal with everything that you're 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 dealing. If you're if you're messing around with all these things in the dark, that's okay. It's not okay. Does God love you? Yes, he loves you. But here's the thing: when we're talking about the authority of the believer, we have authority over Satan. But if we if we yield to him, it's going to be hard then to resist him. 
If I voluntarily say this is okay to do because God loves me, God loves you, but you are yielding to one that hates you. Do you see that? See, we've made it. The church has, has, has taught so much about how much God loves you. They've negated, wait, there's a devil that wants to kill you. God loves you. He loved you before you did anything. God so loved the world that he gave his son. When you were dead in your trespasses and sins, Jesus purchased your redemption. It's not about whether he loves you. He loves you when you had done no good. But Satan wants to kill you. And if you yield to him, he will look at every opportunity to get in there and take from you. And that is the reality of the world that has not been taught so much. Well, it's God. God loves me. Oh, you know, I'm doing this and that's okay. And we're in people fellowshipping with devilish things, don't even know it, acting just like the world, thinking like the world, have their lunch eaten, get beat up, and then go, God, where are you? God loves you. But if we're going to yield ourselves over to Satan and do what he tells us to do and then try to go and say, get behind me, I resist you. See, we're yielding to him on one end, but we want to tell him to get out. He's, he's smarter than that. He's got a hook in people's flesh. He gets them to do what he wants. They're doing everything he wants them to do, and then something rises up. You know, and people say, oh, you know, a health issue or something. They're like, well, but I'm going to resist him. But you're yielding. We need to go to God and say, God, I'm yours. Like we, like we talked about in the offering. I'd rather be the doorkeeper in your house than be in the upper echelons of, the, of houses of wickedness. No, God, whatever you want me to do, Lord, to the best of my ability. We're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about condemnation. We're not talking about doing everything perfect. You start doing that, you're going to drive yourself insane. That's why we have a Savior. On the other hand, think about it in the light of we talking about con artists. If you answer every email that comes in asking you know, for your bank account, you're like, oh, well, they're asking. There you go. There you go. And then you're in a wreck. And you go, why did this happen? And now you want to go and prosecute these people when you gave all this stuff out. Well, that was a mess that you yielded to. Do you see that? And the world has yielded so much to the enemy and yielded so much to darkness. And we have to realize we've been taken out of that junk. But Satan, if he can't keep you from getting saved... In other words, somebody called on the, name of the, on the name of the Lord. They got saved. They're in the family of God. They're in the church. Then he's going to next step, try to make it that even though you have authority over him, even though you have been translated into the, the kingdom of light, he still dominates you. And he does it through deception. He does it by getting people to yield to him. And the whole segments of the church world preach doctrines that yield completely to the devil. They, they, they think that God wants to kill, steal, and destroy as far as the, the, the bottom line is. They wouldn't say it that way. But what is the type of doctrine that, that God will come and destroy your child or destroy a loved one because he loves you so much? That's a lie. But some people believe it and they'll fight you saying that's God. Well, what is that? That's destruction. So even though those people, people that believe that have been redeemed from that, they've been translated into the kingdom of light, they yield to it and fight for it. Well, you're not resisting the devil. You're yielding to him, and therefore it has a stronghold, even in so-called, even, I mean, legitimate Christians' lives. This is not a game. 
The world is not a game. Religion is, quote-unquote, religion. Faith is not a game. There is a reality. Jesus has purchased the whole world. Jesus has made it possible to be translated from darkness into light. But it's not some, well, you know, we just, it just doesn't matter. We're okay. We can do this and that. And God loves it. No, God loves you. But there's somebody waiting for one inch so that he can kill you. And you can't, you don't want to be in fear. No, if we understand who we are in God, then we don't have to be in fear. We can stand up and be in our authority. But that doesn't mean you go voluntarily, voluntarily and yield to the enemy. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We'll cover this in more in depth at a later time. But notice this says, Therefore submit to God. What's the first step? Submitting to God. Then you resist the devil and he'll flee. But if we go and resist, if we go and we're yielding to the devil, yielding to the devil, then we resist the devil and what? Now he's going to flee? He'll laugh. Did you hear me? I got you here, here, here. You're doing this and that. And okay, now you want me to leave. You're not serious. We're not talking about God's love. We're not talking about works. We're talking about the reality that we need to yield to God and not knowingly yield to the enemy and fellowship with a bunch of junk that is trying to take us out. You guys okay? We're in a different day and age. You can't afford just to play games. You can't play church. Play like, you know, people may be joking around and acting like it, it you know, they don't, they wouldn't say that, you know, it, just acting like doesn't really matter how you live. Satan's not joking around. In other words, you're on a, you know, in a, in a war zone and you may not take it seriously, but everybody around you is taking it seriously and they're shooting to kill. Look around. The enemy's not playing games. He knows his time is short. We're the church. Doesn't matter what the circumstances around us look like, we are still the church. And every verse that we're reading works in the context of where we are now just as much as it did when it was written. And if we start giving, getting our eyes too much on what man emphasized, we are going to be deceived and stolen from. Don't put your hope in areas that aren't strictly based on the Word of God. You need, we need to focus on what God has said, what He's given us, and who we are in the Lord Jesus, and be led by Him and do what He says to do, period. And don't play with stuff that we aren't supposed to, that the Word would preach against, that the Word would say against. We're not talking about, again, see, the, the church has talked, they, they've emphasized so much, over the years, good, bad, and don't do this because, you know, God won't love you or you'll be bad. You know, we, it's just the wrong thing. And not talking about the reality of what's going on. Why wouldn't you do certain things? It's not, God, it's not because God's up in heaven going, well, I just don't want you to have any fun. And here you've got to follow this list. And you, you can't do this because then that would just be bad. That would just be too much fun. It's not about that. It's because those things will kill you. And parents, we need, to understand, we need to teach our children the reason why they don't do stuff. Just say, don't do it. Because I, mean, I said so is a good answer for certain ages. 
You don't need, number one, you're not going to understand. Do it, I told you. But as they, what we're training them for is to go out into life. And if it's just, well, we said that's bad, don't do it, that's not good enough. People need to understand the word and need to know that will hurt you. It'll be fun for the night. It'll be fun maybe for a little while, but the wages of sin is death. And there is an enemy that's looking to kill you. Kill parts of your life. Destroy your marriage. Destroy your finances. Destroy your health. You're looking for hooks. Do we need to be in, trier, you know, just in fear and trembling and just be scared of the devil? Absolutely not. But we need to be, uh, have our eyes open. God loves us. He's for us. There are benefits to being a Christian, but we can't... Thank God for the benefits. Thank God for all that He's given us. We're, you know, we're, we're talking about some of these things. But we also need to understand that the reality is being in the, the, the house of God, being in the family of God is much more than the benefits. Thank God for the benefits, but that's not the reason you come into the family of God. We need to know that there's life and death. There's a heaven and there is a hell. And people are going to hell if they don't know the truth. And people are suffering as Christians in areas that they don't need to suffer for because their eyes have been blinded, because they feel like they believe they have to. They don't, they don't understand that they've been redeemed. They don't understand what the church is. You talk about the church, they're going to think a physical address. Not what, what God has called us into as believers. First Peter 1 verse 13. It says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in, that just means strong desire, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because as it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. In other words, not doing stuff the way you did when you didn't understand better. When in your ignorance, in your darkness. Don't behave that way, but he who has called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. What does holy mean? It means set apart. Now we're not talking about the world. Jesus said, we're in the world, but we're not of it. Not talking about going off in your own little corner and not affecting the world whatsoever. That's not what this is saying. We'll read another verse here, I believe, in just a minute. But it's not saying we, we, we hold ourselves off. It means as we're in this world, as we're dealing with this world, you don't just rub shoulders and start picking up the way the world acts. And the church has done everything. Yes, we're supposed to be all things to all people, but not act like them. That's not what this says. It says don't be conformed. There's been so much where it's like, well, we got to do this because otherwise people won't relate. Are you kidding me? Where does that end up? Because what won't relate 40 years ago is totally different than now. 
It's like my pastor, I remember him doing it in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, he, he was on stage showing, if this is where the world is 50 years ago, and people are like, it starts sliding, and this is where the Christian is, and this is where the world, because the culture used to be much more holy. It used to be more godly. Much more in this nation. Well, it starts, the, the, the world starts moving worse. Expected. Starts moving worse, and, and the church starts saying, well, I'm over here, but I mean, this isn't so bad, because look at where the world is. So they, they take a step over here. The world just keeps moving. They're looking like, man, we're just looking, we just look like, you know, we're just too uptight, whatever. And anyway, that doesn't look that bad. Look what other people are doing, and they move here. And it just keeps sliding. And so, well, that, I mean, what I'm doing, it's not that bad. I mean, look what everybody else is doing. Slide. And you keep going. Pretty soon, the church is here, and the world's here, and where they started was over here. But it's like, you know, a frog getting boiled in, in water. You know that, that, that illustration? You do it slowly, you can cook the frog to death. It doesn't happen like this. But there's this excuse that, well, you know, we got we to relate. You got to relate, but you don't have to be like. It's supposed to be a difference. It's supposed to be a change. You know, people say, well, we just, I've heard this too. Well, you know, kids, they just don't have as much of an attention span. So you just got to make things short. Well, where does that end up? Eventually, everything is one second long. If, you, if we form the way we, do, we approach the Word of God by what the world is, yes, you want to relate to them, but you, that's a slippery slope to where you end up at the lowest common denominator. You know, instead of saying, you know what, you need to, we need to stretch them this way, demand, you know, in the attention span, push them this way so where they can handle more. Well, no, we just need to, to you know, we need, need to relate. Well, you're going to end up with no attention span. And, and then you're going to deal with that. And you're like, well, why are we in this point? Because you started, you're conforming instead of holding up a standard. Why are we talking about this in relation, in this context? Because Satan does not have authority over the Christian. We have victory over darkness, but if we yield constantly to that darkness, it's going to be like we don't have victory over darkness. We're going to be just as weak and ineffective as people that are actually controlled by darkness because we are controlled by the same thoughts and processes and understanding and philosophies that the world is. The church has been called out. The church has been given authority, but we need to act like the church and take it because Satan's subtle. And he'll even paint it like this. Oh, well, you don't want to be tight. You don't want to be crusty. You have to do... And what he's trying to do is get you to dumb down your standards so that you... So he'll have a place to get at you. Not talking about not relating. Talking about you acting in a way... There's never, ever a place to put in... to act... Like an unbeliever. To act anything against the Word of God. What, so that, you know, Paul did say, yes, I, I, I relate to everybody so I might win some. He did not say, I sin. He didn't say, I dumb down the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. What do you have if you don't have the true gospel? You have some, 
some watered-down opinion that can't stand against the reality, the backdrop of the spiritual. Let's read this one, one scripture and then we'll, uh, we'll go. 1 or, or Corinthians 5 verse 9 says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean this with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. What's he saying? He goes, I told you not to keep company with people that are doing this stuff, but I didn't mean with people of the world because then you'd have to leave because it's everywhere. But he said, I'm telling you, the people that are in, and he said this in the next verse, but we're not looking at it. I'm talking about people that are in the church. They're not supposed to be doing that. We're not supposed to be acting like the world. See, he's saying it right here. I'm not saying you, you, you talk to the people, you relate to them, but don't act like them. That's a different thing. Do you have that verse? Can you put that verse up, the next one, I believe? 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. We'll just look at it since I brought it up. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone who is named a brother. What's that? In the church. Who is sexually immoral, covetous, an idolater, reviler, drunkard, extortioner, not to even keep, eat with such a person. Now people got legalistic about that and be rude and cut off people and there's no grace. Is that why this is being written? To be mean. It's because this will corrupt. If you're in the church and have gone and yielded yourself to these things, Satan has a hook in you and will destroy. That's why. If you love somebody, you don't get, let them do, get into things that are going to destroy them. Do you? The people have twisted this with Satan. Satan's subtle. They twist it. Well, you don't want to be mean. you got to be understanding. Well, you got to be understanding, but that doesn't mean you participate. You participate, you can't help. You're hooked. Amen. Amen. God, through Jesus, has called us out from the darkness into the light. We have been translated from the power of darkness into His light. Let's not use our power in any area to go and submit ourselves back to the devil. We're free but we go back and act like we're not free. And by doing that, he puts us back into bondage where we were free. This is one of his tools. So if we're going to be free, then we need to resist the devil. And with God's help and his grace, he can help us to resist in any area so Satan has no power in us, nothing in our flesh, nothing in our mind, that we are free and we're able to walk free. And when we say, Satan, I resist you, he has nothing in us and he has to go. Amen. With the help of God, with the grace of God, then we can walk in what Jesus has purchased for us. Amen.